Gentle Julia by Booth Tarkington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Bologna Times. Chapter One of Gentle Julia by Booth Tarkington. Superciliousness is not safe after all, because a person who forms the habit of wearing it may some day find his lower lip grown permanently projected beyond the upper, so that he can't get it back, and must go through life looking like the King of Spain. This was once foretold as a probable culmination of Florence Atwater's still plastic profile, if Florence didn't change her way of thinking, and upon Florence's remarking dreamily that the King of Spain was an awfully handsome man, her mother retorted, but not for a girl. She meant, of course, that a girl who looked too much like the King of Spain would not be handsome, but her daughter decided to misunderstand her. Why, Mama, he's my very ideal. I'd marry him tomorrow. Mrs. Atwater paused in her darning and let the stocking collapse flaccidly into the work-basket in her lap. Not at barely thirteen, would you? She said. It seems to me you're just a shade too young to be marrying a man who's already got a wife and several children. Where did you pick up that I'd marry him tomorrow, Florence? Oh, I hear that everywhere, returned the damsel lightly. Everybody says things like that. I heard Aunt Julia say it. I heard Kitty Silver say it. About the King of Spain? Mrs. Atwater inquired. I don't know who they were saying it about said Florence. But they were saying it. I don't mean they were saying it together. I heard one say it one time, and the other say it some other time. I think Kitty Silver was saying it about some colored man. She probably wouldn't want to marry any white man. At least I don't expect she would. She's been married to a couple of colored men, anyhow. And she was married twice to one of them, and the other one died in between. Anyhow, that's what she told me. She weighed over two hundred pounds the first time she was married, and she weighed over two hundred and seventy the last time she was married to the first one over again. But she says she don't know how much she weighed when she was married to the one in between. She says she never got weighed all the time she was married to that one. Did Kitty Silver ever tell you that, Mama? Yes, often, Mrs. Atwater replied. I don't think it's very entertaining and it's not what we were talking about. I was trying to tell you. I know, Florence interrupted. You said I'd get my face so's my underlip wouldn't go back where it ought to, if I didn't quit turning up my nose at people I think are beneath contempt. I guess the best thing would be to just feel that way without letting on by my face, and then there wouldn't be any danger. No, said Mrs. Atwater, that's not what I meant. You mustn't let your feelings get their nose turned up, or their underlip out, either, because feelings can grow warped just as well as— But her remarks had already caused her daughter to follow a trail of thought divergent from the main road along which the mother feebly struggled to progress. Mama, said Florence, do you believe it's true if a person swallows an apple seed or a lemon seed or a watermelon seed, for instance, do you think they'd have a tree grow up inside of them? Henry Reuter said it would yesterday. 
Mrs. Atwater looked a little anxious. Did you swallow some sort of seed? It was only some grape seeds, Mama, and you needn't think I'd got to take anything for it, because I've swallowed a million, I guess, in my time. In your time? her mother repeated, seemingly mystified. Yes, and so have you and Papa, Florence went on. I've seen you when you ate grapes. Henry said, maybe not, about grapes, because I told him all what I've just been telling you, Mama, how I must have swallowed a million in my time, and he said grape seeds weren't big enough to get a good holt. But he said, if I was to swallow an apple seed, a tree would start up, and in a year or two, maybe, it would grow up so it I couldn't get my mouth shut on account of the branches. Nonsense. Henry said another boy told him, but he said you could ask anybody, and they'd tell you it was true. Henry said this boy that told him's uncle died of it when he was eleven years old, and this boy knew a grown woman that was pretty sick from it right now. I expect Henry wasn't telling such a falsehood about it, Mama, but probably this boy did, because I didn't believe it for a minute. Henry Reuter says he never told a lie, yet, in his whole life, Mama, and he wasn't going to begin now. She paused for a moment, then added, I don't believe a word he says. She continued to meditate disapprovingly upon Henry Reuter. Old thing, she murmured gloomily, for she had indeed known moments of apprehension concerning the grape-seeds. Nothing but an old thing, what he is, she repeated inaudibly. Florence, said Mrs. Atwater, don't you want to slip over to Grandpa's and ask Aunt Julia if she has a very large darning needle? And don't forget not to look supercilious when you meet people on the way. Even your grandfather has been noticing it, and he was the one that spoke of it to me. Don't forget. Yes, am Florence went out of the house somewhat moodily, but afternoon sunshine enlivened her, and opening the picket gate, she stepped forth with a fair renewal of her chosen manner toward the public, though just at that moment no public was in sight. Miss Atwater's underlip resumed the position for which her mother had predicted that regal Spanish fixity, and her eyebrows and nose were all three perceptibly elevated. At the same time, her eyelids were half-lowered, while the corners of her mouth somewhat deepened, as by a veiled mirth, so that this well-dressed child strolled down the shady sidewalk, wearing an expression not merely of high-bred contempt, but also of mysterious derision. It was an expression that should have put any pedestrian in his place, and it seems a pity that the long street before her appeared to be empty of human life. No one even so much as glanced from a window of any of the comfortable houses set back at the end of their front walks, and basking amid pleasant lawns. For naturally this was the best resident street in the town, since all the Atwaters and other relatives of Florence dwelt there. Happily an old gentleman turned a corner before she had gone a hundred yards, and as he turned in her direction it became certain that they would meet. He was a stranger, that is to say, he was unknown to Florence, and he was well dressed, while his appearance of age, probably at least forty or sixty or something, indicated that he might have sense enough to be interested in other 
interesting persons. An extraordinary change took place upon the surface of Florence Atwater. All superciliousness and derision of the world vanished. Her eyes opened wide, and into them came a look, at once far away and intently fixed. Also a frown of concentration appeared upon her brow, and her lips moved silently, but with rapidity, as if she repeated to herself something of almost tragic import. Florence had recently read a newspaper account of the earlier struggles of a now successful actress. As a girl, this determined genius went about the streets repeating the lines of various roles to herself, constantly rehearsing, in fact, upon the public thoroughfares, so carried away was she by her intended profession, and so set upon becoming famous. This was what Florence was doing now, except that she rehearsed no role in particular, and the words formed by her lips were neither sequential nor consequential, being, in fact, the following. Oh, the darkness! Never, never, never! You couldn't! He wouldn't! Ah, mother, where the river swings so slowly. Ah, no. Nevertheless, she was doing all she could for the elderly stranger, and as they came closer, encountered, and passed on, she had the definite impression that he did indeed take her to be a struggling young actress who would some day be famous, and then he might see her on a night of triumph and recognize her as the girl he had passed on the street that day, so long ago. But by this time, the episode was concluded. The footsteps of him for whom she was performing had become inaudible behind her, and she began to forget him. Which was as well, since he went out of her life then, and the two never met again. The struggling young actress disappeared, and the previous superiority was resumed. It became elaborately emphasized as a boy of her own age emerged from the side yard, of a house at the next corner and came into her view. The boy caught sight of Florence in plenty of time to observe this emphasis, which was all too obviously produced by her sensations at sight of himself. And, after staring at her for a moment, he allowed his own expression to become one of painful fatigue. Then he slowly swung about, as if to return into that side-yard obscurity whence he had come, making clear by this pantomime that he reciprocally found the sight of her insufferable. In truth, he did, for he was not only her neighbor, but her first cousin as well, and a short month older, though taller than she, tall beyond his years, taller than need be, in fact, and still in knickerbockers. However, his parents may not have been mistaken in the matter, for it was plain that he looked as well in knickerbockers as he could have looked in anything. He had no visible beauty, though it was possible to hope for him that by the time he reached manhood he would be more tightly put together than he seemed at present. And indeed he himself appeared to have some consciousness of insecurity in the fastenings of his members, for it was his habit observable even now as he turned to avoid miss atwater to haul at himself to sag and hitch about inside his clothes and to corkscrew his neck against the swathing of his collar and yet there were times as the most affectionate of his aunts had remarked when for a moment or so he appeared to be almost knowing and seeing him walking before her 
she had almost taken him for a young man, and sometimes he said something in a settled kind of way that was almost adult. This fondest aunt went on to add, however, that of course the next minute after one of these fleeting spells he was sure to be overtaken by his more accustomed moods, when his eye would again fix itself with fundamental aimlessness upon nothing. In brief, he was at the age when he spent most of his time changing his mind about things, or rather when his mind spent most of its time changing him about things, and this was what happened now. After turning his back on the hateful sight, well known to him as his cousin Florence, at her freshest, he turned again, came forth from his place of residence, and joining her upon the pavement, walked beside her, accompanying her, without greeting or inquiry. His expression of fatigue, indicating her insufferableness, had not abated. Neither had her air of being a duchess looking at bugs. "'You are a pretty one,' he said. But his intention was perceived to be far indeed from his words. "'Oh, am I, Mr. Herbert Atwater?' Florence responded. "'I'm awfully glad you think so.' "'I mean about what Henry Reuter said,' her cousin explained. "'Henry Reuter told me he made you believe you were going to have a grapevine climbing up from inside of you because you ate some grapes with the seeds in them. He says you thought you'd have to get a carpenter to build a little arbor so you could swallow it for the grapevine to grow on. He says... Florence had become an angry pink. That little Henry Reuter is the worst falsehooder in this town, and I never believed a word he said in his life. Anyway, what affair is it of yours? I'd like you to please be so kind and obliging for to tell me. Mr. Herbert Illingsworth Atwater, Esquire. What affairs? Herbert echoed in plaintive satire. What affairs is it of mine? That's just the trouble. It's got to be my affairs, because you're my first cousin. My goodness, I didn't have anything to do with you being my cousin, did I? Well, I didn't. That's neither here nor there, said Herbert. What I want to know is, how long you gonna keep this up? Keep what up? I mean, how do you think I like having somebody like Henry Reuter coming around me telling that what they made a cousin of mine believe, and more than thirteen years old, going on fourteen, ever since about a month ago? Florence shouted, Oh, for goodness sakes! Then moderated the volume, but not the intensity of her tone. Kindly reply to this. Whoever asked you to come and take a walk with me today? Herbert protested to heaven. Why, I wouldn't take a walk with you if every policeman in this town tried to make me. I wouldn't take a walk with you if they brought a million horses and— I wouldn't take a walk with you, Florence interrupted, if they brought a million, million horses and cows and camels and— No, you wouldn't, Herbert said, not if I could help it. But by this time, Florence had regained her derisive superciliousness. There's a few things you could help, she said, and the incautious Herbert challenged her with the inquiry she desired. What could I help? I should think you could help bumping into me every second when I'm taking a walk on my own affairs 
and walk along on your own side of the sidewalk anyway and not be so awkward a person has to be keep trippin over you about every time i try to take a step herbert withdrew temporarily to his own side of the pavement who he demanded hotly who says i'm awkward all the family miss atwater returned with a light but infuriating laugh you bump into em sideways and keep gettin half in front of em whenever they try to take a step and then when it looks as if they'd pretty near fall over you you look here and besides all that florence went on undisturbed why you generally keep kind of snortin or somepin and then making all those noises in your neck you weren't doing it at grandpa's last sunday dinner because every time there wasn't anybody talking why everybody could hear you plain as everything and you ought to have seen grandpa look at you he looked as if you'd set him crazy if you didn't quit that chuttering and cluckling herbert's expression partook of a furious astonishment i don't any such thing he burst out i guess i wouldn't talk much about last sunday dinner if i was you neither who got caught eating off the ice-cream freezer spoon out on the back porch if you please yes and i guess you better study a little grammar while you're at it there's no such words in the english language as cluckling and shuddering i don't care what language they're in the stubborn florence insisted it's what you do just the same cluckling and shuddering herbert's manners went to pieces oh dry up he bellowed that's a nice way to talk so gentlemanly well you try to be a lady then try florence echoed well after all i'll just politely thank you to dry up yourself mr herbert atwater at this herbert became moody oh puff he said and for some moments walked in silence then he asked where you goin florence the damsel paused at a gate opening upon a broad lawn evenly divided by a brick walk that led to the white-painted wooden veranda of an ample and honest old brick house right there to grandpa's since you have to know she said and thank you for your delightful company which i never ask for if you care to hear the truth for once in your life herbert meditated well i got nothing else to do as i know of he said let's go around to the back door so's to see if kitty silver's got anything then not amiably but at least inconsequently they passed inside the gate together their brows were fairly unclouded no special marks of conflict remained for they had met and conversed in a manner customary rather than unusual they followed a branch of the brick walk and passed round the south side of the house where a small orchard of apple trees showed generous promise hundreds of gay little round apples among the leaves glanced the highlights to and fro on their polished green cheeks as a breeze hopped through the yard while the shade beneath them trembled with coquettishly moving discs of sunshine like golden plates a pattern of orange light and blue shadow was laid like a fanciful plaid over the lattice in the wide slightly sagging steps of the elderly back porch and here taking her ease upon these steps sat a middle-aged colored woman of continental proportions 
beyond all contests she was the largest colored woman in that town though her height was not unusual and she had a rather small face that is to say as florence had once explained to her her face was small but the other parts of her head were terribly wide beside her was a circular brown basket of a type suggesting arts and crafts it was made with a cover and there was a bow of brown silk upon the handle what you been up to today kitty silver herbert asked genially anything special for this was the sequel to his so's we can see if kitty silver's got anything but mrs silver discouraged him no i ain't she replied i ain't and i ain't gone to i thought you pretty near always made cookies on tuesday he said well i ain't this tuesday said kitty silver i ain't and i ain't goin to you might des well go on home now i ain't and i ain't goin to docility was no element of mrs silver's present mood and herbert's hopeful eyes became blank as his gaze wandered from her head to the brown basket beside her the basket did not interest him the ribbon gave it a quality almost at once excluding it from its consciousness on the contrary the ribbon had drawn florence's attention and she stared at the basket eagerly what you got in there kitty silver she asked what i got where in that basket nem mind what i got in dat basket said mrs silver crossly but added inconsistently i des wish somebody asked me what i got in dat basket i ain't got no cat washwoman for nobody cats florence cried are there cats in that basket kitty silver let's look at em the lid of the basket lifted by the eager slim hand of miss atwater rose to disclose two cats of an age slightly beyond kittenhood they were of a breed unfamiliar to florence and she did not obey the impulse that usually makes a girl seize upon any young cat at sight and caress it instead she looked at them with some perplexity and after a moment inquired are they really cats kitty silver do you believe cats what she done told me the colored woman replied you better shut lid down you don't want em run away cause they ain't used to livin in a basket yet and no matter what kind o cats they is oh there isn't one thing true they wild cats but what makes their hair so long florence said i never saw cats with hair a couple of inches long like that miss julius say they burgeum cats what i ain't tellin no moan she told me you ain't say they burgeum cats persian said herbert that's nothing i've seen plenty persian cats my goodness i should think you'd seen a persian cat at your age thirteen goin on fourteen well i have seen persian cats plenty times i guess florence said i thought persian cats were white and these are kind of gray at this kitty silver permitted herself to utter an embittered laugh oh, you wrong she said these cats they white yes em why they aren't either they're gray as no em said mrs silver they plumb spang white else you aunt julia gone out her mind me or her one i say miss julia them great cats white she say them two cats is white cats she say them cats been crated she say they been livin in a crate on a dirty express train for three four days she say them cats gone got all smoke up that away she say no em 
miss julia i say no miss julia they ain't no train i say they ain't no train can take and smoke two white cats up like these cats so they's hair is gray clean plumb up to they hide you better put the lid down i tell you florence complied just in time to prevent one of the young cats from leaping out of the basket but she did not fasten the cover instead she knelt and allowing a space of a half an inch to intervene between the basket and the rim of the cover peered within at the occupants i believe the one to this side's a he she said it's got greenisher eyes than the other one that's the way you can always tell i believe this one's a he and the other one's a she i ain't steadyin' bout no he and she what did aunt julia say florence asked what you aunt julia say when when you told her these were gray cats and not white cats she told me take and clean em said kitty silver she say she say she want em clean up spick and spang before mr sammerses get here to call and see em and she added morosely i ain't no cat wash woman she wants you to bathe em florence inquired but kitty silver did not reply immediately she breathed audibly with a strange effect upon vasty outward portions of her and then gave an incomparably dulcet imitation of her own voice as she interpreted her use of it during the recent interview miss julia ma'am i say miss julia ma'am my business cookin vittles i say miss julia ma'am i told her miss julia ma'am i cook for you pa and and cook for you family year in year out and i hope and pursue while some might make complaint i take whatever i find and i leave whatever i find no em miss julia ma'am i say no em miss julia ma'am i ain't no cat wash woman what did aunt julia say then she say she say didn't i tell you take them cats downstairs and clean em she say i ain't nobody's cat washerwoman florence was becoming more and more interested i should think that would be kind of fun she said to be a cat washwoman i wouldn't mind that at all i'd kind of like it i expect if you was a cat washwoman kitty silver you'd be pretty near the only one was in the world i wonder if they do have em any place cat washwomen i don't know if they got em some place said kitty silver and i don't know if they ain't got em no place but i bet if they do got em any place it's some place else from here florence looked thoughtful who was it you said is going to call this evening and see em mrs sammerses she means newland sanders herbert explained aunt julia says all her callers that ever came to this house in their lives kitty silver never got the name right of a single one of em newland sanders is the one with the little mustache florence said is that the one you mean by sammerses kitty silver mr sammerses who you aunt julia told me mrs silver responded stubbornly he ain't got no mustache what you can look at there's some blackish what don't reach out mon half way towards the both ends of his mouth well said florence was mr sanders the one gave her these persian cats kitty silver i reckon 
Mrs. Silver breathed audibly again, and her expression was strongly resentful. When she go for a walk long with any of them callers, she stop and make a big fuss over any little old dog or cat, and I don't know what all. And after they done buy her all that candy from all the candy stores in the living world, and all the flowers from all the greenhouses they is, it's a wonder some of em ain't sent her a mule for a present, cause it seemed like to me they done sent her most every kind of animal they is. First come Airedale dog, your grandpa tuck and give away to the milkman. Then come two more pups. I don't know what they is, cause they both had dest sense enough to run away after your grandpa tried to learn him how much he ain't like no pups. And next come them two canaries hanging in the dining room now. And next, didn't I holler so's they could a hear me all way downtown? Didn't I walk in my kitchen one morning, right slam in the face of old water alligator, three foot long, a looking at me over the edge of my kitchen sink? It was Mr. Clarendice gave her that, said Florence. He'd been to Florida, but she didn't care for it very much, and she didn't make any fuss at all when Grandpa got the florist to take it. Grandpa hates animals. He don't hate em no wuss'n what I do said kitty silver and he ain't got to catch him lookin at him outen of his kitchen sink and he ain't fixin to be no cat washwoman neither are you fixin to florence asked quickly you don't need to do it kitty silver i'd be willing to and so'd herbert wouldn't you herbert herbert deliberated within himself then brightened i'd just as soon he said i'd kind of like to see how a cat acts when it's getting bathed. I think it would be specially interesting to wash Persian cats, Florence added with increasing enthusiasm. I never washed a cat in my life. Neither have I, said Herbert. I always thought they did it themselves. Kitty Silver sniffed. Ain't I says so to your Aunt Julia? She done told me. No, she say. She say, she say, Persian cats ain't washed they sell. They got to take and get somebody else to wash em. If we're going to bathe them, said Florence, we ought to know their names, so's we can tell them to hold still and everything. You can't do much with an animal unless you know their name. Did Aunt Julia tell you these cats' names, Kitty Silver? She say they name Fief and Mima. Yes, Fief and Mima. What kind of name is Fief and Mima for a cat name? Oh, those are lovely names, Florence assured her, and turning to Herbert explained. She means Fifi and Mimi. Fief and Mima, said Kitty Silver. Them name don't suit me, and them long-haired cats don't suit me neither. Here she lifted the cover of the basket a little, and gazed nervously within. Look at that, she said. Look at the way they looking at me. Don't you look at me that way, you Fief and Mima. She clapped the lid down and fastened it. Fixin' to jump out and grab me, was you? I guess, maybe, said Florence. Maybe I'd better go ask Aunt Julia, if I and Herbert can't wash em. I guess I'd better go ask her anyhow. And she ran up the steps and skipped into the house by way of the kitchen. A moment later, she appeared in the open doorway of a room upstairs. End of chapter 1